LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and I'm here today with Daniel Lim. Hello, hello. And Robbie Gallaty. Yes, sir. He We're has here. No intro. He has no intro. That's fine. That's fine. Let's see what Chris <laughs> Swain does. I am in the house. Okay, that's good. Robbie. Robbie was just flexing. He was just flexing. He's like, this is <laughs> this is my intro. <laughs> this is my intro. I'm fine wow. with the intro. He I'm was just happy to be here again. I've been invited back. Apparently, your five questions weren't answered as well the first time. No. We'll so they need another, another answer. Give them another go. They need to ask the same five questions again. <laughs> exactly. Well, um, what you should know about Robbie and about Chris is they host the Making Disciples podcast, which is, of course, part of the LifeWay Leadership Network. And, of course, you probably already listen. But just in case you don't, you definitely need to check them out. And we are going to be walking through our standard five questions with them today. Uh, so why don't we get started? Yeah. So the cool thing is, as we get started into the first, right before we get started into the first question, Robbie, you're the, I mean, everyone knows you as the senior pastor of Long Hollow, but also of Replicate, right? So talk to us a little bit about Replicate and, and Chris, your role with Replicate, just so that people have context right. as to why you guys are doing a podcast called Making Disciples and, and uh, just before we get into all this. Yeah, so uh, Replicate is a ministry we started uh, about 10 years ago and really to serve the church and making disciples. We saw there were, there were a lot of ministries out there uh, to make disciples that were outside of the church. And we wanted to do something like through the church, like what is what does discipleship look like in the local church? And not just theoretical discipleship or philosophical, but really uh, what are practical steps we could take in the church? So we started that. 10 years ago, when I moved to Long Hollow, we uh, realized we needed a director because at the time I kind of led the ministry, pastoring and leading the ministry. And so where do you go to find great quality staff members? You go to LifeWay. There you go. That's <laughs> true. And yeah, Chris, I was sitting, yeah, I was waiting, I was thinking. Right around the corner. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So y'all remember Chris Swain. Chris Swain was. I work. do. Do you remember Chris? Yes. <laughs> I was, you know, shocked. I was like, man, Robbie. He was a part of our lunch group. Great, <laughs> vaguely, vaguely leader. remember there was a guy named. great judgment. <laughs> good discernment. And I'm like, what gives? I don't understand. Well, I, I didn't know there was a lunch bunch. No, no. The lunch bunch. Well, I mean, you have a cafeteria there or you had one. I'm not sure. Is there still one there now? Yeah, yeah, but that, so, but that original was, group of lunch buddies, right. I mean, that hasn't met in a long time. And so oh. you could either go somewhere and it would take like an hour and a half or you could just run downstairs and grab something. So we bit the bullet often and ran downstairs and grabbed something from the very wonderful Lifeway Cafeteria. Which is no longer in existence. No. So when Robbie, Robbie called, gave me a call and said, hey, uh, you haven't met me yet. I'm your senior pastor. Are you interested in talking about Replicate? And so uh, very, very short story, even shorter. I said, yes. I'm here on staff as the director of Replicate. And so I've been working with Replicate for a few years now with Pastor Robbie. Ministry is about 10 years old this year, moving into our 11th year in 2019. Yeah. Awesome. Chris, doing awesome. A, so, a great job. Yeah. So in the show notes, we'll obviously have links to that and, and to the books that Robbie has written, the curriculum that you guys have put out as well as a part of Replicate Ministry. It's just been so encouraging to see the number of churches that are 
uh, there's this resurgence in discipleship and you guys are really leading the charge in that. So we're so happy that you guys are a part of the network. Uh, but so let's get into our question. The, f- the first one is, who are you guys learning from? Who are we learning from? Pastor, you want to go first? You want me to go first? Why don't you go first? I am learning from a lot of people, but I'm very busy right now. So mostly I'm learning from pastor, but that's too easy an answer. I don't want to throw him a bone on that. You know, I don't, Hey, I'm learning from my pastor. I'm learning from my boss um, and, and replicate. Um, so we've been reading a ton of books lately as every great leader does. And so, uh, should, or should a leader's a learner. It's exactly right. And so pastor gives me a new book every day. Hey, go read this, go read that. But Trevin Wax gave me a book suggestion uh, not too long ago called the coddling of the American mind. And so even though these individuals are not, uh, teaching me or leading me personally in reading that book, I've learned and gleaned a lot of great information um, from the authors, which I cannot recall the names of the authors because their names are so weird. It's one, a great is like, book. one is like hate, H-I-H-A-I-D-T. Yeah. Hate. Jonathan Hate and Greg Lukanoff. Luke, Lukanoff. There Lukanoff, you go. So yeah. these guys have done a lot of information. But looking at those people that we're trying to minister to, generally, you know, millennials, maybe even younger than that, that next generation. And, and, and so just gleaning information from that book, not just for um, my personal, you know, I've got kids coming up and, and how that's going to affect them and the culture but also how we minister to people and how ministers today, because we minister to leaders through replicate, how we can impact them where they're at. And so that, that's kind of a, a recent, um, I, I would say leader that I have learned from afar by reading their book. Yeah. I, I would say, I, I, I believe that a, a good leader is a learner. I've said this before, but the, the day you stop learning is the day you stop leading. And so we kind of have to be self-motivated in this. And so I read a lot of different books by a lot of different guys um, the, the, the ones recently that have really impacted me are the patient ferment of the early church. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, Alan Creeder. No. And Alan talks about, which is interesting, how the first church in the first and second century grew. And surprisingly, it wasn't through open air preaching or big revivals or, uh, you know, large crusades or, or helicopter events. egg drops. No, they but definitely uh, okay. weren't Okay, just checking. No, just checking. It's definitely. a good way, good technique. Nothing right. against it. No, not those, but they didn't even have a helicopter. But anyway, back then, uh, which is going to be surprising, it actually grew through changed lives, right? Kind of an aha wow. moment. And basically what they said was, and this is pretty interesting, within 100 years after the death of Jesus, Asia Minor, Turkey uh, at that time, Asia Minor grew to somewhere around 60 to 70% Christian, where, where, the, where the whole country was impacted. Some, some people have been saying high, as high as 80%, and I know that sounds a lot, but let's just say 50% of the country was Christian within 100 years of the death of Christ. Mm-hmm. How did they do it? It was people living among lost people, moving in by lost people, living in the neighborhood, sharing and showing the gospel, not just with their lips, but with their life. And the greatest apologetic for Christianity were, was a changed life through discipleship. And obviously you see where I'm going here, but through discipleship. But then 100 years later, here's what's fascinating. By the time Constantine comes into power and the church goes from being Catholic little C to Roman Catholic BC, big C, they actually reverted back to 10% Christian. W- what happened? Hmm. The church became institutionalized and domesticated. Wow. It went from being a movement of people to being a monument you go to. Mm, wow. And man, I've just been so challenged by that. Like, like, have we done something similar in the church today by really stripping people of their God-given ability to be equipped as saints for the work of ministry 
And have we, in a sense, taken all the ministry on ourselves as leaders and executed the ministry ourselves? So that's one. Another one I'm reading, which is really good, is called The Disappearing Church. Hmm. This is a really good one. Uh, and basically just talking about how we are, in a sense, at a day and age where the church is disappearing right before our eyes. And we know the statistics. We read them. Uh, but discipleship is the answer to combat the disappearing church. Right. And what he's saying is, and we would agree with this, obviously we have a whole podcast on this, but his answer is the way to address casual consumer Christianity, which for those listening, you may have some of those people in your churches, mm -hmm. right? Is it fair to say P that? Perhaps. Perhaps. Maybe. Yeah, Maybe. Yeah, we all do, right? We all have these people. But here's what they're saying. It's moving people beyond, watch this, showing them what they're saved from and really teaching them what they're saved for. And that's a big difference. Dan, you, you yep. write about this a lot. You, 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 I mean, I'm preaching to the choir here, but you know this as mm -hmm. well. Uh, it's not rocket science. It's not a silver bullet. It's just simple. Uh, yeah. Hello. <laughs> Shameless plug for you. Right? That was a helpful plug. But anyway, uh, you know what I'm talking about. It's just no, this a is simple so, process of discipleship. <laughs> that's right. So, Robbie, on that note, I really like how you talked about the, the whole idea of going from being the monument to a movement. And um, it's, it's really interesting to see the ministries that you are a part of, right? So you are leading a mega church in the greater, you know, middle Tennessee and, and uh, up a little bit north of Nashville. So you're leading that on the one hand, but you're also leading this charge for D groups, for smaller intentional discipleship environments. And when you look at, uh, recently I was listening to, I'm, I'm almost done Francis Chen's new book, the, the letters to the church. And he talks about this idea of the, the, the Chinese underground church, how when the government recently has laxed on their, I guess, the, the way that they're pushing down the church and a lot of underground churches have actually come above ground and they've built buildings, how a lot of them have moved, they've lost their movemental mm -hmm. energy and they've, and they move more toward becoming monuments. So, Robbie, how do you hold those two intention? You're leading this mega church, but you're also leading this charge. That, so this quote unquote monument, but you're also leading this charge, this movemental charge. What are you doing on the mega church side to bring that to be more movemental? Okay, that's a great question. And I would say, it, it, it were, it, obviously this is happening in a mega church that I'm pastoring or any mega church in America, but this is happening in many churches that we counsel and we consult with for Replicate. And the reality is this, it, it's showing people that what happens in a church plant or what happens in a revitalization of a church is that people take ownership of the ministry. And that's really why we see, as you guys have seen, why you see so many people come and a lot of people saved and a lot of excitement with a church plant. Why? Because everyone's an owner of the ministry. Mm -hmm. What happens over time with a church that's established, right? And I think, Chris, you said this yeah. recently. You're no longer a church plant after 10 years. Right. You're, you're an established church after 10 years. Isn't that years. interesting? Who knew, mm. right? Because I got friends who planted 20 years ago saying they're still church planters. They're like, no, bro, you're pastoring <laughs> an established church now, right? Which is Most cool. But, but here's the thing. What happens is you move from a mission to a, a, a movement to a monument. Okay, so how do you move back to that missional uh, yeah. mindset? And here's what I've realized. When you show people that we not only want you to do ministry, but we expect you to be involved in the work of the ministry here, it really decentralizes mm -hmm. the, the, the power 
from being a top-down approach. And, and here's the first thing. People ask me, what do I have to do? I'm listening today. I want to create a discipleship-minded church. Uh, I want to move our staff from being uh, executors of the ministry to equipping others. First thing you have to do, Daniel, I think, is the pastor leader has to repent for not making disciples for years. Mm, wow. Yeah. Because the reality is, and I'm not being, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to be cute and I'm not trying to be overbearing, but the reality is you have to repent as a leader for not making Jesus's final words, your first work. And, and we've been good at making Christians and we're good at making converts and we're good at making decisions and we're good at reporting numbers to our, to our convention. But the reality is, have we grown people deep mm -hmm. in their faith and help them create an environment where they grow deep in order to make an impact wide? Yeah. And, and, and as someone who has been at the church prior to pastor Robbie uh, coming here, I was here four years and then Pastor Robbie came, and and so I saw that transition happen when this church kind of shifted a little bit from maybe focusing on a different model to a heavy discipleship emphasis. I, and I might even say too much of a discipleship emphasis to offset what we had hadn't necessarily focused on well for a while. So not to say that the the other way was better, better or this way is better, but ultimately we needed to as a people make turn that corner, make that shift. And so you can see the difference in, in the seats in the auditorium. I would say pews, but we don't have pews. Yeah, right. um, you can see the difference in, in the individuals who, you know, before maybe it was a different attentive state. Now it's people with a notebook open, writing down things, journaling. You're hearing from people whose lives have been radically changed because they realize how much they need to be pressing into doing ministry versus consuming ministry. And I think that's a big key part of, of what happens and, in a church. And I'll add this. They're not learning for themselves. Mm. See, it's moving the mindset from being a consumer to a coworker. And, and here's the thing. I mean, it's, and, I, and Todd, I've heard you say this before. I mean, it's showing people that the Christian church is not a salad bar kind of mindset, right? And I love salad bars. I mean, Dylan, my, my pastoral assistant knows when we're out of town and we see this restaurant, Chris, we go. Ruby Tuesday. He know, you know. I love Ruby Tuesdays. <laughs> I love awesome. Ruby Tuesdays. Here's expecting. why. I don't like but, lettuce very much. And you shouldn't because I think it's going to give you E. coli recently. Well, who knew? Who knew? <laughs> Stay away from the lettuce. Apparently. Stay away from the lettuce. Knew, it's the right? kale industry. But here's the thing. <laughs> I, I get made fun of by staff members when I get a lettuceless salad. Not yeah, I've been there. I've been there when you said, give me a, a salad, but don't add any lettuce. Right. And double up the tomatoes, more cucumbers. More, and I'm like, wait a second. That's not a, no, that's not a, cool a salad. But here's a cool salad. thing. At Ruby Tuesdays, Daniel, I don't get made fun of. Because I've got 10,000 choices to choose from. Now, here's the problem. My wife forbids me from going to Ruby Tuesday. She will not go to Ruby Tuesday. Because for her, she's paralyzed by the salad bar, in a sense. There's a thousand choices. There's a thousand choices. That's how yeah. most churches are. Let's be honest. Most it's churches true. think that they can grow and grow their people by just offering an, another option to the already programized church they already pastor. And what we're saying mm -hmm. is... Disciples don't grow by, by menus. They grow by maps. Okay. You don't there need to give them go. a buffet of options, right? We give them a map <laughs> to walk on. And if there's one thing you can do as a leader is begin to look at your church. Do you have a simple, reproducible pathway, pipeline, whatever you call it, for spiritual growth? And in most cases, most pastors listening, most leaders in ministry would say, no, we don't. Right. Completely. So Completely. how do you go from, so lots of churches do discipleship. How do you move from doing discipleship 
as a program or as something that, you know, we lift up, we talk about, how do you move it from doing discipleship to actually democratizing discipleship? How does, I like that. how does a good term. the responsibility, <laughs> authority, and onus move from the staff discipling other people to everybody discipling other people? Okay. Our five questions may go out the window. No, I, was gonna, well, I knew that was going to happen before we started. I said, we love hanging with they're, these They're guys. wonderful questions, I'll be honest. No, they're great questions. We just talk a lot, and we, yeah. trace, we chase rabbits. We do chase and rabbits. And by we, I mean this you. Is a, but I'm with good, you. I'm with you on the journey. This is a good rabbit to rabbits chase, Rabbits do though, reproduce it, it, themselves rapidly, I will say, <laughs> to help people understand how we're... The very we're ministerial the language here. Yeah. No, I think these are... You, listen, you started with five, and now we have five more. That's what here I love about this show. Okay. No, here's a question. This is a good question because the first thing you have to assess is this. Are we actually making disciples? Because I think, Todd, a lot of churches would say, yeah, we're making disciples. We call it Sunday school. Or we're making disciples. We call it groups. And those things are all important and a part of the disciple making process, but it goes beyond that. So what we would ask people is when they say, hey, we're making disciples, what should we do? Why are we not seeing growth? Why are we not seeing maturity? My question to them is, how many people are you investing in who have now reproduced their life into a life, the life of another person. And so the adage we, or the, or the, or the mantra kind of we live by is this, the discipleship process is never complete until the mentee becomes a mentor or the mm. player becomes a coach. Right. And so we came up with this saying that kind of, we, we say it was in my book growing up. We use it all the time. The gospel came to you because it was heading to someone else. So what we tell, we tell leaders is this, yes, you can, to one generation, pass on information, but thank God the disciples didn't right. stop there. Yeah, and I think the the way that that works, just in a practical staffing technical tip to leaders out there, would be you can't roll out a discipleship program. Mm. And that the challenge here is that that's what everyone's so used to getting that that's what they're yeah. looking for. So when we go train with Replicate, we're inevitably people in the audience and even leaders on staff. So when do we do this? Uh, how, how does this program work? Give us 10 steps. What, what curriculum do we use for this? And, and all of those things are good. We're not saying don't do programs. We're not saying don't use curriculum. What we're saying with discipleship is we have changed the way church operates so much to be a consumer uh, operation that we've gotten away from you living the life of a disciple. Every disciple should be a disciple. That's part of being a disciple is to disciple others. And so it's you, first of all, as the pastor, as the leader, uh, as the layperson, finding those three to five individuals, investing in them, pouring in them, and seeing that reproduce. I believe every leader has to do that before they can then equip their people to go and do the same. All right. So instead of instead of going straight to two, let's skip two and go to three, because I think we've already asked two follow-up questions to the first one. So Chris and Robbie, what's one thing each of you guys must do absolutely daily? And you can't say make disciples or read the Bible. <laughs> I wake up and I think to myself, I'm going to make disciples today. <laughs> yeah. So you can say those two, but what, what is oh, okay. one thing that each so, you guys have to do daily and what benefit does it have for your life and leadership? Oh, have to do daily. Okay. What I do is probably not going to be as spiritual as you. Mine's think. not spiritual at all. So okay. should I start with mine? No, go with yours. Do you need to think more? Because I'll, I'll clean up more time. Up the mess. Yeah, no, go ahead. I got it. Go ahead. <laughs> for me, what I have to do every day, and that just ties into uh, just the way I live my life, is spend time with my family before I leave my house. Mm. So my kids, my daughter specifically, gets up way too early. I usually wake up with her like an inch away from my face, waiting for me to what wake time? up. What time? Uh, maybe six. Jeez. Maybe six fifteen. Uh, Five thirty mm. before. Um, it's happened. 
So uh, I get up and, and I spend a little bit of time with her. I try to say, uh, hang out with my son. Now he's sleeping a little bit later, but spend some time with him. My dog, which I love. I know that doesn't mean a lot on this podcast, but I love my dog. Spend a little time with Oz. He may not be around much longer. And, uh, and my wife and just having that time before I leave is, is critical you to put me. your dog before your well, he, my dog is about to go in. Yeah. He's, he's about to go in for a toe amputation. Yeah. And we were trying to decide a toe like, amputation. Where do you draw the line? Yeah. How much you pay? Here's for a, a good question so for anyway. you guys. Let me push back with a question for you, Daniel. At what? cost do yes. you stop taking care of the dog before you let it go well the first question oh my goodness. Is, do you have a dog <laughs> no yeah, yeah so i have a dog my okay. dog is 10 years old oh it's uh, mine too spent probably over a thousand dollars in his entire life on dental stuff so here's the thing dude yeah. if i don't do that then he's gonna like he'll get an infection and die if you uh, just I know, lose I know. that's where we're at right okay, now with so here's, the question, here's the question we're asking where do you draw the line? What Wouldn't price? $3, What's three thousand dollars to live? No, I wouldn't. No, I'd, I'd give my dog to my in-laws, and they would pay. <laughs> Todd, it. would you pay three grand? No, I'd get a new dog. Todd, would you? <laughs> Todd, would Todd you would pay three dollars? Right. Would That's you pay like three dollars. I made the mistake when I was in D.C. I actually made the mistake one time of saying you shoot your own dog, like using it as a. Oh boy! Oh man. boy! D.C. Oh man! It's true. It's true. Where I'm from. Peter would not you approve. Shoot your own dog. No, Middle Tennessee. Middle Tennessee. You yeah. shoot your dog. That's how it worked. Yeah. Or you call you your you call someone on your staff like, to come shoot Hey, your. why take this animal to a cold, sterile, I know, stainless steel environment when you can lovingly? He's nervous and knows what's coming. Oh, when you can Let's lovingly, take him yeah. on the back forty and stroke his head. <laughs> my goodness. I can't we believe get you just said that. Okay, so the question was, what is that thing we? Lord's about to call you. How did we get off on it? This is our so, this is a podcast with us every show. So time time with my family would be my answer. Okay. And I'm not just saying that you can ask my family and all but my son would tell you the truth. I'm just kidding. He would do two things. I do real quick because we never get through these questions. Two things I do. I have to work out every day. Out. And <laughs> well, we're have to is probably not the operative word. But to. I choose to work out every day. Yeah, I think it's and I've realized when I work out early in the morning, it sets the tone for my attitude the rest of the day. I mean, who wouldn't, right? Slamming weights around, you know, picking up heavy weights, you know, trying to get stay in shape. That's the first thing. The second thing I, I do, I have to do every day. And this is not by choice, but this is by necessity. I have some animals and you guys are familiar with this, but I have some animals on a farm-like place where I live. I got, I got, I got six acres, and I have to feed the animals every day, you, which I love to do. Don't you have sons for that? Well, I do, but I see. Here's the thing: <laughs> when I go down to the animals, it is it's for you. It was relaxing. Okay, yeah. my son Rig, like the second week, Daniel, we're down there, and he's like, "Daddy," he's like, "The second week we had the animals." He's like, "Dad, I got an idea." He said, "If we fill these bowls up with twice the food." Mm -hmm. We only have to come every other day. That, that, he's said, a very smart son. I said, that's a pretty smart son. I said, but son, you don't understand. Daddy wants to come down here. Well, there you go. Like, like that's the point. Yeah. I need to come down here because the animals don't talk back. They don't send <laughs> negative emails. They don't complain. <laughs> that's, that's a They're good not point. like cranky choir members or demon deacons. If you had those things, which we don't. We don't. We don't here at Long Hollow. So anyway, I, I just would say to leaders, you have to have an outlet, right? Like some kind of outlet for re recovering. That's good. That's good. Hey, so Robbie, you talked about working out every day. Uh, as of when this podcast goes live, people are either going to listen to it at the end of this year or the beginning of the new year. Okay. And a lot of a lot of our listeners might 
you know, they're, they're like maybe one of their resolutions or their commitments for the next year is to, to go to the gym more often. And, and for most it's just for a couple of weeks and then they drop out. How do you, what kind of advice could you give our listeners to stay at it? Like, how do you stay at it when you, cause you don't want to work out all the time. I'm a little offended. You didn't ask me that question, Daniel. <laughs> I mean, seriously, what, what, well, let's be honest. Chris claims that he worked out and he has a I've certificate on the wall. I have I don't done it before. It in the military. You've seen the certificate. I've seen the certificate. Okay. Yeah. But you sure. could have got that off the okay. internet. But anyway, <laughs> here's the reality. It's the same principle. I'm glad you asked that because it is the same principle with discipleship, right? Mm. Like the reason people don't stick with long-term discipling relationships is because there's no accountability and there's no intentionality. Like, okay. So I used to work at a gym. I don't know if you guys knew this. When I was in Mobile, Alabama, I got a job at Powerhouse Gym, and I yeah, this is a true story. Was this a Christian gym? No, it was not. A, I was not even a Christian. Oh, okay, I was a, I was a, I was a consultant. I became the sales manager, and I would sell memberships. And the reality is, I knew that if I could get these people in shape, then they would be like walking billboards for more business for me, right? So yeah. when they would sign up for me, I would ask them a couple questions. I would say, number one, what are your goals? They would say, lose weight. I would say, it's too general. Give me a technical goal. Give me, give me something more specific. All right, I want to lose some weight. Uh, I want to lose 20 pounds. Okay, still too specific. By when? Okay, I want to lose some weight by, you know, three months. And then we would develop a plan, right? I give them a plan for the next three months, and then I would say, if you fail to plan, you can plan to fail. Okay, so you have to have a plan. Same thing goes with discipleship. When a lot of people get in discipling relationships, if you don't have some kind of goal or a plan long-term, you're not going to stick with it, which is why I tell people you have to have a plan. When I would look out from my window into the gym, you ever seen these guys when they show up and they they just like they look like they're lost at Disney World. You know, you ever seen these guys at the gym? They're like yeah, wandering completely. aimlessly. You know? That's me. Yeah. Why? And then, and then what they're doing is they're as confused about machines as anyone else. So they sit down, they pump out like five or six reps and then they move on to the next one. And I'm thinking yeah. that guy's not going to be here in two or three weeks. Sure enough. He's gone. gone. Okay. So again, intentionality, got to have a plan and then accountability. You have to have someone to keep you accountable. Now that could come in the form of a partner that could come in the form of a text group that could come in the form of a challenge. Like we did at long hollow last right. year, our health and fitness challenge, which followed donut December, but that's a whole different story. Well, true. <laughs> that is true. But the, but the thing is the same thing goes for, for the Christian life, right? If you don't have intentionality and you don't have accountability, you're probably not going to finish it. Bill Hall used to say, he's a friend of mine, and Bill Hall says, if you don't have a plan, you don't, you don't plan to do it. Like, yeah, if you don't have so a plan, good. you don't plan to do it. Bill, that's so good. I love the parallels that you made there, Robbie. Now, before we get into our last question, which is our favorite question here, or, well, at least it's my favorite question here on the podcast, we just wanted to thank Christianity Today and the Christian Standard Bible uh, because they are the reason that this podcast is happening for this month. Uh, they have just released a oh, new one. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus too. Okay. Yes. And Chris's dog. Jesus. That's right. Oz. Yes. <laughs> to be uh, so they have recently released a podcast called the living and effective podcast. We had Richard Clark on our podcast. We interviewed him and it was neat to, if you missed that episode, be sure to check that out. Cause uh, there, there was a good, just, just, you got his heart and you, and you, you came to understand, you would come to understand just the why behind it all. And, and all the work that goes into presenting such great interviews and concepts 
in each of the episodes. So be sure to check out Living and Effective on wherever you get your podcasts and you can learn more about the Christian Standard Bible Mm. at csbible.com. So Todd, why don't you bring us home with the last question? Bring us home, Todd. I really want to make up up a new one, Todd. Um, It's a great um, question. Yeah. Uh, So what would you tell your 20-year-old self about preparing to lead? Preparing to lead. Mm. I would tell my 20-year-old self if I were able to, which is that that would be 25 years ago for me. I am an old old man. Um, I, I would say that in all honesty... Um, nothing you do in ministry is wasted. In other words, I can think back to times when I was setting up chairs. I can think back to times when I was doing, you know, menial things in my mind in terms of ministry. But then I look later and even now things that I'm doing today. And, and I realize I learned to do this when I was 19 volunteering, when I was 24 and I was an intern and, and doing ministry. And so I would just Think, I would say to myself, hey, everything you're doing is going to count for something in ministry and it's going to lead to something later on. So that's what I would say to myself. And then I would say, I think you're crazy because you're talking to yourself. From the, That'd be the follow up <laughs> question. Second, one. I would say to my 20 year old self, stop doing drugs. Because you can kill yourself. <laughs> very easy answer. Like for, me, legitimate. Very easy answer. Uh, for me at 20, I was, I was just about to start drugs. So, but that's probably not going to be applicable to people. But the reality is uh, a couple of things. And I think along the same line as Chris said, I would say to, to my 20-year-old self, God never wastes a hurt in your life. Um, we're, we all experience hurts. We all experience difficulties in life. And God always uses those hurts to help people. So he never wastes a hurt. And then the second thing, and, and again, Chris, you said something I was thinking about, is God is looking for how you honor and, and you're faithful to him with the small things to determine if he's going to use you in the big things. Don't don't try to uh, strive for a platform or an opportunity or a speaking event or a larger context. But I think I think that's natural human nature. The reality is you be faithful where you are. You bloom where you're planted. In a sense, you tend the vineyard God has for you. And if he sees that you're faithful with little, then he's going to give you opportunities with much. I heard years ago a pastor uh, he was speaking to a bunch of seminary students. Uh, I think his name was Brown. He was speaking to a bunch of seminary students, and he said to them, he said, you're going to be tempted to want to pastor a larger church than what you're already pastoring or will pastor one day. He said, but when you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to realize that you have had enough. And I thought, wow. wow. Uh, God has given us a ministry to pastor and lead and, and an opportunity uh, of a ministry to lead or, or a business to lead. And at the end of the day, we need to be faithful where right. we are. That's so good. That's so good. There, there are two guests that we've had on previous episodes, one of them being Annie F. Downs and, and the other one being Christine Kane. How many times have, has Christine been? Three She's, times? No. Two. Four? Oh, is it four? Wow. Okay. No, I think she... Well, no, I don't know who uh, Carrie Newoff probably holds the record. Yeah, it's at least three that Chris three. So you got to be on again, Pastor. Well, I, I thought mean, two was special, but apparently, apparently, keep going. <laughs> it is, but <laughs> so so my wife yesterday at the time of this recording, uh, yesterday she texts me and she's like, "Okay, you need to listen to this podcast where Annie F. Downs interviews Christine Kane, starting at forty-five minutes." And and all of our listeners, please, if you lead in any manner, shape, or form go download that episode. We'll put in the show notes and start listening from 45 minutes. 
Christine goes like I literally on my drive home re rewound those 15 minutes over and over and over again. And this is what she said. And it goes along Robbie with what you were talking about. She was like, Hey, olives are cheap. Olive oil is expensive. The reason olive oil is expensive is because it's been pressed. It's gone through that process of being pressed, of being shaped. And, and that's what's created the value. Mm. And that reminds me of James one, right? Where the testing of your faith produces perseverance and perseverance must finish its work. Right. So, so it's this idea of, yes, we need to be faithful, but the trials, we need to welcome them. We need to accept them. I mean, what is, what, what is it? What (laughs) think about what does it mean if you never get trials? Mm. Yeah. Right. Does that mean the enemy is on your side that he's like, well, there's that person's safe. We don't need to do anything against them. So it's, it's, let me add one thing. This is so uh, apropos to what I'm reading. Reading a book now about the the Exodus motif all through Scripture, and basically what this guy was saying, which is so interesting, that Moses experienced two smaller Exoduses, if you will, before God used him with the big Exodus. So he had to go. Think about this: as a baby, he made an Exodus from his mother into the Egyptian world. So he, in a sense, sailed on a boat, an ark. The only time the word ark is used is in Noah's account. So he sails on an ark. He makes an exodus across water. Sounds familiar? Then the second exodus he makes is when he leaves the the, the palace of Pharaoh, when he kills a man, and he makes an exodus into the wilderness on the backside of a desert. God watches another 40 years. And after 80 years of saying, you know what? I think I can use this guy. Then he rises him up or raises him up to stand on the platform to take two million people on the real exodus. And I just think it's a great principle for us. God uses everything in our life. Like like I said earlier, he never wastes the hurt. And he uses our suffering as a platform to preach the gospel. Good. So good. Well, guys, uh, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Please, our listeners, please, please go listen to Making Disciples, uh, they will share practical, helpful discipleship tools and insight in every single episode. I think one of the things that we often think about when we hear something like discipleship is, oh, I've heard it all before. Mm-hmm. And obviously, if you've made it to this portion of the podcast, you know you haven't heard it all before because we walked through several different things that I think that were very practical and insightful um, for us as a church. Yeah, that's yeah. so good. So so good. And and. Robbie and Chris, we're so glad that you're a part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. One of the things that we do on every episode to, to end it is to talk about another one. Just call me T. <laughs> no, I didn't. Should I? I don't know. You're I'm going to start calling you T. I was doing every episode, T. <laughs> I was stumbling over my words. But this other podcast on our network has a T that ends it, and that's the EST podcast. Oh, there we go. Very good. Transition smooth. <laughs> so Sam Rayner, Micah Freeze. Josh King. See what I did there? It was good. Good. I think all of our listeners can get a quick glimpse as to what goes on before and after the podcast. That's true. The amount of fun that we all have together. (laughs) Yes. Uh, All right. So be sure to check out the EST podcast because they talk about, you know, I mean, Chris mentioned it earlier this idea of the established church and the issues that they run through. and, And it's cool to see the broad topics that they will cover. So be sure to look up EST Church on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today. Thanks again for being on the podcast with us, guys. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you inviting us.